Tim, season two, episode five, stats don't matter. Some NBA, some March Madness, some Formula One, some NASCAR, some draft positioning. We got it all. In our cups this week, it's a double IPA from Percival, Virginia, and an Imperial Stout from North Haven, Connecticut. Find Stats of Matter wherever you get your podcasts. Stitcher, Apple, Google, Spotify. Tell your friends to find it, like it, share it, subscribe it. All that mambo-jambo, all that jazz. Follow our Twitter handle, at Stats Podcast, and make sure you do the same thing for our Instagram handle, at Stats of Matter. Tim, let's go. So, Tim, you know, lately you've been, oh, hey, I know you're getting all these these crafty beers, but, you know, I'm going to focus on being local. And, you know, the first time you said that, I was like, okay, I'm going to let it slide. The second time you said I said, all right, two times is is a me problem. You said it a third or fourth time. I'm like, all right, it's a trend. I'll take it as disrespect. (laughs) So what I did was I started finding more local beers. I just haven't ever saved them for the podcast. Uh, Hashtag clout chase. But um, I happen to have this week a triple oat cream IPA from Adroit Theory out of Percival, Virginia. Uh, if you ever get a chance, they're they're a great um, stout and IPA brewery. I mean, Percival is way way out there. It's like in wine country, so it's like it's neat. You get something that's like out there, but the can art is fantastic. It's the most like mm. gothic, like futuristic stuff ever. And um, I actually bought this beer straight for the label because it says "Fast Times at Heavy Metal High" by Adroit Theory. Let's party! And you know, Fast Times Regiment High, one of my favorite films. I just had to buy it just based off nostalgia anyways. Whether that's intellectual property theft, I'm not really sure. I don't think that it is. It's close. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. But th- their their stuff is fantastic. They have a, a small, small little place out in Percival. Um, and they make some really good fruited sours as well. But it's it's like in this warehouse. It's like kind of off the road somewhere. There's a great barbecue place. Now, I can't remember the name of it, but it's nearby. There's just so much to do out in that area. And Adroit Theory just produces fantastic beers. They, they they had this one line of hazy IBAs, IPAs called uh, EBK, um, and it was like a skull. It was like a like a dead samurai. So you'd see like the skull and everything, and it was like perfect regalia with the sword, the armor, and everything. And each version was a different color. And I set them all up. I because they were they would come in like twenty four ounce uh, bomber bottles, and I would buy the new one whenever it came out. Um, and Chelsea's like, what are you going to do with those? And I was like, well, I'm going to make a, a porch light out of them. I'm going to put a little LED lamp in each one of them and, uh, you know, go from there. Newsflash, I no longer have any of those bottles. I, I end up getting rid of them. But uh, Adroid Theory continues to, to just press the envelope. Their beers are very, very good. If you are in the uh, the Virginia, West Virginia area, you've got to find their beers wherever you can. And if you're not, you got to find someone to kind of get you some. So it's, it's pretty good. Let's let's try this on. Did. Did your wife shoot on the, the gothic bottle porch lights? No, idea? she was just she, like, I had like 12 of them. She, ah, was like, okay. she was like, what do you got to do with them? Well, I'll put an LED light in every single one. It's going to work. And she's like, yeah, where are you going to hang it? Because like we had like, we didn't have really a ceiling to hang from because it was so far up like in our in our apartment. Um, yeah. We just had like a little porch like railing. And, yeah, you know, yeah, okay. College. Yeah, pretty much. Leftover um, from college. So it pours a, a a pretty opaque here, but I mean that's not surprising for most of be hazy. A lot of head here. But that's because I poured it real quick. Although triple oat, I I, I happen to love oat IPAs because I, I feel like it just makes the the bill of the beer like a lot softer. Um, right. You you can really kind of ratchet up the, the amount of hops that you use if you just strain it through some oats rather than 
you know, uh, grains and barley and stuff. Although not, not to, not to say those aren't necessary in the beers cause they are, but here we go. One sip. Everyone knows the rules, except it's two sips and we keep talking. <laughs> Very hazy off the nose. That's not even a thing. I, I can't believe I just made it up. The, the beer judges somewhere are snarling at me. Uh, very, I don't, there's, an I don't Instagram, of, there's an Instagram post that we're going to end up on. I think it's called like worst beer blog and they just tear apart bad uh, rest, reviewers. Rest in peace. It died today. Ooh. Yep. I, I follow a lot of people on beer Twitter, so I heard about it, but uh, uh, untapped WTF. If you you got to follow them on Instagram. Nice. Okay. All right. One sip. Everyone knows the rules. I hope that language is not like trademarked anywhere. Nah. Okay. Eight and a half percent. I get a lot of, a lot of like melon. Yep. I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. It's not my favorite from, from there though. Like the, the thing that age right theory does really well. And this is why if you ever seen their stuff, you got to grab it. They make triple IPAs like no one else. Yeah. They make triple IPAs that are 10, 11% that will float across your palate. It's unbelievable. It's so good. Um, Eight and a half percent. I, I get a little bit of the booze. I get more melon notes than I do the oat. And if it's a triple oat, I kind of would expect to see more of that. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a, ooh, I'm going to give it a three, eight, not my favorite beer from them, but it's, it's, it's very good. Eminently drinkable. I got a second one canned up to be my side rider as soon as I finish this one. So we're good. Nice. I'm going a little bit more aggressive with my, uh, with my sidecar. So I know like two podcasts ago, I said I was going to do, uh, some more whiskeys. I almost did one tonight. I have a, you know what? I'll save, I'll, I'll save it. Cause I will do it on a podcast at one point. Um, uh, but I did, I am diving back into beers, uh, turned myself into liar for two weeks in a row. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when I saw this one, I couldn't not buy it. Uh, several episodes back, uh, I did a stout from, Orange, uh, fat orange cat and sky gazer called floofer. And I think that one was their banana foster floofer. I, I have a hard time saying that word floofer. Floofer. Um, but uh, it turns out it's a line. I didn't know it was a line that they kind of mix up periodically. So I saw strawberry floofer with cocoa nibs and peanuts. Uh, it's an imperial stout with strawberry, cocoa nibs, and peanuts. It's 10%. Um, Brewed out of North Haven, obviously 12% brewing. But um, I'm very excited to try this one because the last one, if you guys recall, I said it was one of the better stouts I've had in Connecticut. And I gave it a very high rating. So let's see if this one holds up. No pressure. The whiskey I was going to do tonight that I'll do uh, another night. Um, is Elijah Craig. Uh, they make a bunch. I've, I've talked about Elijah Craig before, but they came up with a couple small batches. One's called the uh, Toasted Oak. Uh, I got my hands on one of those. Then I got my hands on one of their Barrel Proof, which Barrel Proof uh, just equates to Big Boy Whiskey because it's uh, bottled at the proof it comes out of the barrel, which is usually really, really, really high. Uh, so there's a lot of booze. But a lot of flavor that goes along with it. So if you can, if you like the punch of a, a higher proof whiskey or bourbon, and you're not sure, look for barrel proof. Get you every time. Uh, anyway, smells 
smells like a mix between coffee and I got a little bit of peanut butter. But if you had a sister growing up in your my age, they used to have these little dolls that were called strawberry shortcake dolls. And oh, these yeah. Little, these little plastic figurines that smelled like various types of strawberry pastries and different pastries. It smells exactly like that. Like, I, as soon as I smelled it, it smelled like someone took a handful of those, threw them in my toy box with a handful of peanut butter. That's all I smell. But I'm not, I'm not hating it. I, I mean, I guess th- that has to be the podcast episode title, right? It's not good, but we're not hating it. Because then no one will listen to it if we do that. We can't do that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's going to be a perfect segue into our first segment with uh, Evan Fournier. Oh, it wasn't yes. good, but I'm not hating it. But we'll get oh, to that in yeah, a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. In fact, I've... So, this thing is super smooth. Not quite as good for me as the banana variant, the banana fosters, but it's still really, really smooth. I've been on a big whiskey kick as of like the last six or seven weeks, really. So I haven't actually drank a ton of beer outside of these podcasts. The four pack is lasting me like a week and a half to two weeks now, which is unheard of. Part, well, part of that is my schedule change. I'm only having beers like two days a week now. Um, but this thing feels incredibly incredibly smooth the the peanut butter is subtle enough that it's not overwhelming the strawberry is a little sweet but not too sweet the cocoa is i think what makes it a little on the sweeter side it comes through a lot more than it did in the previous version um if you like pastry stouts if you like sweet stouts i do i can't drink a ton of them obviously but i do like them periodically uh this is a phenomenal phenomenal beer um I would still, if I'm sitting down any given day, prefer a straight up stout or like a milk stout, something along those lines, a little bit more traditional, but as a treat every now and again, this thing is phenomenal. I'm going to give it a four, two. I think the last one was, uh, quite a bit higher. Um, but I'll give this one a four, two. This is one of those that would be good to have a can or two just kind of hanging out a little bit in your fridge for like after dinner or you're just kind of hanging out it's like a feel-good beer like i feel good i <laughs> feel good drinking it um <laughs> but yeah it's what's what's the because it's, a, on it? it's 10 percent. that's so probably you'll, why you'll feel good afterwards um it's a milk stout though so you don't really want to let it age like this isn't going to hang out in your basement so it's got to hang out in your fridge for a little while if you're going to do it but yeah i mean i would have this like right after i picture a nice big meal Sitting outside now that it's warmer weather, sit outside by a bonfire, have this be like your dessert. Chef kiss. Mwah. Maybe this a little is, Garcia Vega, a little Swisher Sweet for the... Oh, some best of Louis Armstrong <laughs> playing in the background. <laughs> what a wonderful world. Yep. Any, so I'm at home in the kitchen cooking a meal, a glass of wine or a glass of whiskey or beer or something there with jazz playing. My favorite song of all time is Benny King's Stand By Me. Uh, when I was in college, I'd forced all my buddies to listen to that very album, The Best of Lee Armstrong, whenever we were day drinking. It's glorious. So, yeah. Uh, a nice cigar, this beer, a bonfire, and some you, jazz. Uh, you got no, vinyl? I'm not, or, or I'm not that, you, I'm not that bougie. I'm not oh, that bougie. Oh, come on. Oh, no, no. Fuck? I had, I had, I, this, I had Kanye I had, West on vinyl. I had the CD. I did mm-hmm. have the CD, and I still have the CD, but now I can stream. Did, did you Bad have the 10 Franklin? Skip? 
Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, two thousands uh, babies have no idea what we're talking about. Okay, no. here we go. I, I had one of the very first MP3 players. You had to oh put it in your computer. You had to drag all the files over, and you had to legally. It was not amazing. From anything that rhymed with LimeWire, Kazaa, Frost, or anything like that. No, no not at no. all. I straight up Napster all day, every day. <laughs> uh, Might have got caught at the local library for downloading Kazaa onto something or Frostwire. Anyways, let's let's move on here. It's it's not important. Uh, although subliminals, I encourage you, younger folk, to go ahead and Google it. Go down the rabbit hole. You'll, yep. you'll learn a lot. Let's talk about NBA free agency, okay? Mm. There's a couple things here. We're going to get to the Celtics in just a minute, but the Nets seem to have a team that they're building with bench depth now that looks like the the team that you could make in 2K. It's like on franchise mode. Like, you, you go out and you get LaMarcus Aldridge. You go out and you make these other moves. Blake Griffin decides he wants to sign. Like, I understand that the super team was kind of created by the Celtics in the beginning with the big three. Then LeBron decided to make the big three down in Miami. And then the, the the Warriors got it. Then the Raptors got it. Now the Clippers and everyone else is trying to do their own damn thing. But please explain to me, at what point is there a competitive advantage or disadvantage? I understand that everyone is going to play all the minutes. It's about meaningful minutes. It's about having a bench that you could rotate off of. Like I, I think the thing about the Golden State Warriors a few years ago, when they had Iguodala coming off the bench, is, is that like they they had the star talent up front with the Splash Brothers. But they had people who could who could contribute meaningful minutes, and they did a lot. The Nets don't have to do that. The Nets can say, "All right, KD, you're going to play ten minutes tonight. All right, Harden, you're going to play ten minutes tonight. All right, Irving, you're going to play ten minutes tonight. Why? Because we can leave one of you on the floor at all times, and as long as we have enough people coming off the bench, like everyone needs to be the sixth man at the Nets. I just don't understand this. And it's like you see the Supreme Dreams video where uh, LeBron reacts, right? The guy who spoofs all the NBA players, he reacts to you know, the Nets, like, pretty much having a super team. And, you know, he's like, call up Adam, call up Adam. So they, he calls up the commissioner, and the commissioner's like, what's up, LeBron? He's like, yo, why are you doing this? And the guy's like, what? It's, it's not a big deal. Like, what? He's like, I'm 36. <laughs> <laughs> and he's talking about, like, you know, he's he's playing, like, maybe what LeBron will say out loud is that just, like, all right, the Lakers, like, yeah, they got AD. They got Kuzma. Alonzo Ball was there for a minute, now he's not. And, you know, there's talk now that he wants to bring Steph Curry to the team. Like, oof, rip to Golden State if that happens. But, like, where do we get where free agency is, like, an arms race? Like, you know what I mean? I just how, – how how could the commissioner look at all of these these people signing with, with the Nets and being like, no, you, you can't. We have to equal the scales. One of you has to go to the Knicks. Like, that just, it's just got to be the way it is, you know? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's – um. I, I think a lot of people, including myself, tend to forget when we get caught up in a lot of these conversations because we forget like the Jordan era teams where it was like Jordan, Pippen, and Rodman. Like that's enough to classify a super team for that era. And then yeah. you move on to like the Magic Johnson era. Then you move on to like you just keep climbing up the ladder. You had Kobe Shaq. Like there's always been there's always been a team that has had a handful of really good players that have brought in players. Um, but I think it wasn't until like LeBron going down to Miami and he put Wade and Bosch and him all on the same team. And they kind of rounded out their roster. We were like, Oh, all right. So now we can just buy championships, right? Where they came out and they did their press conference. Not one, 
not two, not three. I mean, obviously that didn't pan out, but they still, they, you know, they did well down there. Um, and then Golden State came out and, you know, sort of injected a lot of that, you know, super teamism into the NBA, but they're, they were a little different. They didn't necessarily draft all of that. I mean, sorry, they didn't necessarily trade for all of that. A lot of that was drafting, development. They brought in a couple guys and they turned out to be superstar players who had the capital then to bring in one or two good guys. But then LeBron went to the Lakers and then all bets were off because he went to the Lakers. Now Anthony Davis went to the Lakers. He's like, what the hell, man? Dwight Howard went to the Lakers. He's like, come on. This is getting ridiculous. And then <laughs> the Nets said, oh, yeah, yeah. I see your super team. I'm going to raise you the... Actual uh, super team. Yeah, like, the Monstars. Oh, oh. Yeah, that's, I mean, <laughs> the Monstars from Space Jam is what yeah, it is. That's yeah. what it feels like. And it's very fitting that Space Jam is going to come out and LeBron is, you Can't know, wait. on the tune team. Wait. So he's yeah. going up against the Monstars and that's exactly what he's going up against. When you look at a team like the Nets, if that team is healthy, that is going to be some of the biggest offensive output in like organized sports or NFL history, at least, I mean, NFL, NBA history, at least, if not all of organized sports, you yeah. have guys in a league that prioritizes the three point shot. Every single person in that starting roster can hit the ball from anywhere they please. They Especially can also KD. go, half yeah. court sniper. They could all, I mean, you have. Kyrie Irving with his hands and the way he can get around. He makes the magic plays where he's either no look passing the ball behind him 40 yards or, you know, he's adjusting mid-flight, dropping it in when he's not hating everybody and suffering an existential crisis. Hey, but, he got but he staged whatever he had to do. He saged the garden. The yeah. Celtics have been playing terrible, and the Nets are getting everyone. You know what I'm saying? So it obviously worked, whatever it was. So Kyrie, we welcome you say, to come back, undo the sage, use uh, you know cilantro or something. I don't know what you got to do, I, but like I, I will say, I, I'll give a, I will say just to go on record, I will give a shout out to Kyrie. I, he's a bit much for me. He's a little over the top with his like, I'm just gonna be me. Yeah, do it, man. Be you. Who gives a damn what anybody thinks about you? I. We run a podcast here. I don't give a shit what anybody thinks about us. We do it because we like to do it. So I, I get where he's coming from, but he's a little too much sometimes. But Especially when I, he has the supporting cast that he does, right? I mean, if yeah. he didn't care and all he had was KD, he was like, all right, cool. He has KD. He has Harden. You're like, well, all right, all right. That, pipe that, down. Uh, pipe down. Well, he went on that, that rant the other day about like, hey, are you changing the way people view in your locker, in the locker room? And then he... Instead of being like, you know what? It's not something I really pay much attention to. I'm just out here trying to be me. He went into, that's one of the downfalls of the human psyche in that we put so much focus on what other people think about us. So well, I'm never, so it's I mean, like, he was, it's like, we're not, and, and, we're not multi-million dollar professional athletes. So we don't know anything about psyche of, of yeah. the modern American athlete. So like, I have to applaud him for like sticking to it and saying what he feels and kind of being True to himself, if he's in fact being true to himself. Feels a little bit like a show sometimes, but if that's him and that's what he's doing, more power to him. But yeah, to be in that position, in that seat on a team like that, and then come out and be like, oh, well, you think of me as your own opinion, and I don't care about any of that. You put yourself in the spotlight. You 
chose to play a professional sport where people pay tickets to come and watch you. They're going to look at you. They're going to analyze you. You can still be you. You can still analyze what you want to do, but you can't judge people for looking at those things because you put yourself in that position, right? So all we have to go off of is what you give to us as consumers. Like it or not, your payroll, your paycheck, and everything that you get comes from the fan base wanting to pay to see you play basketball. Now, no, this isn't me saying shut up and dribble. That's not at all what this is. All this is is me saying he's entitled to have his own thoughts and opinions. I support a lot of them. But... You can't just sit there all the time and say, I don't care about anything. I don't care about what anyone thinks. You chose to live your life in the spotlight because it's very, very lucrative. And no, that spotlight does not dictate what people can think of you or how much they can delve into your personal life and all that stuff. No, 100% agree there. But at the same time, it leaves... You are putting yourself... And now on a super team, it's even more so under the microscope of the general public who by nature is going to question and pass judgment and look at those things. I would be hard pressed to believe that he has never once looked at something and then judged it just by its appearance or its mannerisms or its actions. That would not be true. But if he's had this Buddha come to Jesus moment, but but there's one in him. There's one in every sport, right? Like Arian Foster from the, the the Houston Texans running back back in the day. That guy went meta, meta. And if you follow him on Twitter, I mean, you you get a lot of a lot of good knowledge, right? But he yeah. played the game a certain way, and he he acted a certain way, and it wasn't wasn't really an act. It was, it was kind of who he, who he was and what we wanted to be. All I'm saying is, it just like if you got one or two people, go ahead and talk about it, you know how no one can say anything about your name or or the championship aspirations. But when you have an embarrassment of riches and you just keep going. And like some of these like trades, you know what I mean? Like they can only exist in two K's franchise mode. And I just, uh, I just wanted the Celtics to maybe like you know kind of get someone else. Like, could I? <laughs> would I have taken Blake Griffin for like a year? Of course, right? We didn't even but think now, about that last time. But now, are look, we gonna are we gonna look at this though and say, is there gonna be an asterisk on this season? I have to ask that. Like, if we fast fast forward ten years. Are we going to look back at the 2021 season and the Nets win and be like, yeah, no. but you not, because you said that you said the 2020 Lakers championship could have been with an asterisk because of the fact that it was like in a bubble well, or they played less games. Different. You know what I mean? Like, di- I well, mean, di- yeah, but different. then like every year is going to have a different asterisk. No, different lenses. One was a shortened season in a bubble. It was just, a, it was just a whole mess. Right. But, this one, you literally are buying a championship. You're at a point now where, like, the Lakers are in trouble because LeBron, uh, he just went down. Anthony Davis has been kind of banged up a little bit. Uh, LeBron is out for a little while with a high ankle sprain. That team is now going to stutter a little bit. They're still going to play well because Anthony Davis is one of the best players in the entire league, and he's going to help move them when he's healthy. He's going to come back, and he's going to help them win some games. Those two guys on the court, Lights out. Just completely lights out. We we went over the numbers of what they were doing uh, last postseason, and either one of them were alternating between putting up 40-plus points per game. And when you're scoring 95 to 110 points a game and you're equating for almost half the points of your entire team, 
Then you have two guys who are going to come out. One's going to put up 45 points. The other one's going to put up 38 points. Now you're making up two thirds of your team's entire point output. It's it's just different. Um, this but is anyway. why you have a third person, right? To at least kind of like, and, <laughs> and that's why the next. <laughs> yeah. Everyone says everyone says you 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 grab three to make one because the thought is if you have three, one will go down, one will get injured. You'll still have that one. If you have two, you have none, right? Because you'll have one, and then that one something could happen to. The Nets are yeah. just like, oh, if we have seven then we have five they're going full <laughs> pokemon we said no, they this, are. We, they're we 100%. the same joke they're the last time silver, they're red green gold doesn't matter they're we, looking up we are absolutely doing it they're looking up anybody who has a point average of over 18.5 points a game and three and a half rebounds and like yep you'll do yep yep you'll, you'll do. do yep you'll do that'll You're do pig that'll do one year deal one year deal one year deal one year deal, one year deal two year deal like, I don't think maybe maybe you couldn't put an asterisk on this season, Tim. But what I think what you could do is you could, if if this works right and they get a championship, then the next team to be on the come up is not going to be the Nets. It's going to be the Mavs. It's going to be the Suns. It's going to be the Nuggets. It's going to be, I mean, geez, I don't know, the Celtics maybe to get their head out of their ass sometime soon, right? Like you you could essentially the super team showed that like you could copy and move, and then we went away from big three to big twos and that was like last year right and now big two already is looking like it's not a good idea if you can 2k franchise mode you know a team so if teams have a ton of cap space underneath this the salary cap then if it works for the nets they might say to themselves seriously if we want people who want to ring chase why don't we give them meaningful minutes and that takes away from like what i think the game would be about necessarily but it like the game grows and evolves, so the rules have to grow and evolve with it. And I don't think it's going to happen because, of course, it, you know, I'm not saying the commissioner thinks this, but the league probably wants star-studded teams because they're going to drive revenue, right? We're getting fans back in the stands now. You want to sell out arenas. You want to do that. Um, and I mean that that that's fine, I guess. But what do you but what just, do you do when you're a small market? Do something, damn it. What do you? But what do you do when you're a small market team and you just do not have oh, yeah, money like or the capital? I don't think Charlotte could like you know swing for the fences like this. For example, I don't. I, I, there's plenty of teams. Uh, Sacramento Kings could do it. I don't think True. the Timberwolves could do it. The Pistons might with some old school money, but they're definitely not like. I mean the Knicks, right? Like you would think of all the New York teams, like the Knicks would start getting some love showered on them. But it's just like it. it it's the very Cavaliers. Very, like don't stop 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 we, next you're gonna say the wizards we don't need that <laughs> but what i'm Which saying is, is like you have these teams whose annual revenue is so low and their roster total payouts are also low they just don't have the funds to go out and sign seven all-star players seven like yeah five at least if not all seven of those guys are going to end up in the hall of fame I just I don't understand how it was allowed to happen. If if this scenario happened in, in Los Angeles, there would have been some 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 pushback. If this would have happened in Milwaukee, there would have been some pushback. If this would have happened this, in this Dallas, there would have been some pushback. But it was like a New York team, and the NBA league was like, uh, we're gonna bat an eyelash at it. Like, don't win all your games. Like, you know, yeah, we'll see not, what happens. No, is there even? And I, I'll be the first to admit, I don't know the rule book for the NBA. But is there like a monopoly rule? Like, if you have the money. Why not? I mean, you have the salary tax, you have the, you have the salary cap, and the luxury tax you pay on top of that. But there's also like there were some trades. I think well, the last time that the commissioner actually, I think, like vetoed against a trade was I think CP3 
to the Lakers when Kobe, rest in peace, was there, right? So, like, that would have been insane because of the way the team makeup was. But that whole idea has been shot to shit now because you can just create these these super teams. And I make the joke because, I mean, we, we, can, we can hypothesize about this for the rest of it, but we got to get to the Celtics here. We made a joke last, you know, um, last pod about, like, you know, Celtics going to get Aaron Gordon. He's great at dunking. You know, he, he's not happy on the, on the Magic team. That that Orlando Magic team completely after the episode detonated, and they just got rid of a ton of players. Celtics ended up getting Evan Fournier. Mm-hmm. Going to be a good role player. First game last night. <laughs> 0 for 10. Yeah, he did set a record. Now, okay, a good one. like, I, now I, I get it. Like, your brand new team, you don't really know the scheme yet. You're kind of, you're trying to get some meaningful minutes, but... You played last night against the Pelicans, and you got thumped. And I, and I, it's 109-115. doesn't really look like a thumping, but to be honest, it was because Zion just decided to go right through the team, and, like, everyone was collapsing around him, and he still scored. And Tatum, smart, round, going off again. I'm glad that at the trade deadline, they didn't move one of those pieces, okay? Because I, I, I feared about that in the previous episode. I thought it was going to happen. Thankfully, I'm Sam Stradamus, and, and it didn't come to pass. I think that Evan Fournier will be good in the long run. But no sooner had that that trade deadline passed, now there's talk about maybe the Celtics are going to go get Bradley Beal. Maybe they're going to get someone else. And it's just sort of like, wow. Like, let's give Evan, like, a, like a few games. You know, like, the Celtics have one more game this month against the Mavericks. Uh, and if they win that, they'll be 7-7 seven and seven on the month. 500 basketball. Not yeah. great, Bob. Not great, right? Um, they've been in a lot of, a lot of games where they, they – they really needed to put up a lot of points. Um, but they've also been in some games they should have won. They just sort of fell apart down the stretch. And is Evan going to be that plan to sort of stop that bleeding? I hope so. But this is not looking great. And <laughs> did, did you did you get Evan and you try and bring him in? Like, because you you, you didn't want to pay, you know, for Aaron Gordon because he ended up going to the Nuggets. Like, you know, like what, what was I'm the sure deal the, I'm there? sure the – so if I had to guess, the asking price was probably too high. We talked about this previously when we discussed the the Celtics and we didn't want to see any of the big name players go even like down to Kemba keep them all try and make it work because we've seen it work we know it can work just something doesn't feel right obviously things are a little different now because the sidecar <laughs> things are a little different now because you have the 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 Brooklyn Monstars that just <laughs> assembled like the Avengers uh over in New York. So things the ch- obviously the children of Thanos, really, if you're thinking about yeah, it. So that changes the landscape of basketball as a whole. So you could do as a GM a couple things on the season. You could look at that move and say, Well, shit, there's no way we can compete with that. We'll let New York have this year without expending a lot of our future in draft picks and capital and salaries and all that. Let them have their year. Let's evaluate going into next season. Or you can see that you've had a lot of success with the the core of your roster. Obviously, they lost a couple guys. Uh, Scary Terry left, which, you know, he was a role player, and he did enough to help make a difference when he needed to. Um, but when it comes to Aaron Fournier, I'm going to give him a little bit of a break. He had kind of a weird transition coming yeah. into it. He was traded on Thursday. He flew into Boston on Friday. He tested positive for COVID. So then his subsequent tests that came up all came back negative. So there's a lot going on between then and now. But he's like an average 19.7 points per game, 3.7 
average uh, assists per game, which would put him scoring wise uh, in like third place behind Brown and Tatum. Uh, and would put him right above Kemba Walker. And as far as assists go, it would put him in fourth place on the entire roster. So he will be a guy who comes in and does make a difference. I think, is he enough to kind of push him over the top? No, but if I'm a GM and an owner and I'm looking at what I have to expel of my current core roster who has, they're literally, they're fresh off a season in which they came up a game shy of the NBA Finals. So they're fine. The team, the core team itself, they're just missing something. They're missing a little chemistry. They're missing like a spark. They're missing something. Maybe shaking up the roster a little bit, bringing in a guy like Fournier is going to be there. I think this is a better addition than bringing in an all-star. You bring in an all-star, it changes the dynamic of the team completely. Because right now, if I had to pick a leader on the Celtics, it's obviously going to gravitate towards Tatum just because of what he does each night. But he's still a little bit on the young side. So then you say, okay, maybe it's Kemba Walker. Maybe the locker room is kind of like just pretty cohesive. They're just missing a spark. You blow that up and you bring in a guy like Griffin or like an all-star who's going to come in and expect to kind of run the show and get a lot of the attention. That might even damage the the what what's going on in the the locker room even further. It could fracture it. Who knows? Maybe maybe it could have sort of galvanized them and and, and rallied yeah. around it. But for me, he had a lot coming into this game. He kind of like a tumultuous start. It's not a good look. I agree. But I think long term, especially this season, where I think it's pretty much unanimous, you can give it to either the Nets or the Lakers this year. Lakers on the fence because they're wounded with a with a you know a uh, broken be, be wing careful at the of moment. wounded animals those are those are not the ones that you want to back yeah. into a corner i, I mean like my, i hear you on that my money is right at my runny this now solely riding on the nets uh, i think that's the <laughs> safe bet um remember the, a lot of people bet on the uh kansas city chiefs and that that thinking got you a lot of bottles of whiskey so are you really sure you want to put your your blantons uh, uh, <laughs> on the nets i don't know about that Anybody want to make a whiskey bet? You look me up. We'll, uh, we'll figure it out. Uh, come playoff season. <laughs> Solicitation is only not legal in 50 states. But uh, anyways, no. um, there's another thing we got to talk about here with the Celtics. They ended up getting Mo Wagner from uh, the Wizards in a three-team trade. They also got Luke Cormitt yep. from the Bulls. Um, if I'm looking at this, because Daniel Tice, thank you very much for your service. We appreciate it. I thought I that, like that was one thing to me when Tice left. I was like, damn it. Like Tice, like we ha- we've had a big... We haven't had two bigs for a long time. We we've mm-hmm. we've we've stuck with a big, and then smaller folks on the on the on the wings and trying to you know push the pace and definitely score some points. I I, I just think necessarily all right. Wagner, Cormet. I don't know anything about Cormet honestly. He came from the Bulls, right? But uh, mm-hmm. a three team trade that's good. Hopefully, you know. We get a guy from the Wizards, we convince Bradley Beal, jump off that ship, even though Russell Westbrook is doing all kinds of crazy, unbelievable historical things. The dude yeah. has not even been there for a full season. He already has the franchise record for triple doubles. Like, of course yeah. he does. Like, yeah. that says a lot about that. Uh, but I, I got a lot say, of friends I did who say, are... I did say last season, and you can, I'm on record saying it, that I feel like he chases those triple doubles during a game. And I think sometimes the pressure of him chasing those lets his team kind of give those up. Not to say he doesn't put out effort, but. But. 
every he's time stat- the Wizards... I feel like he's a stat chaser a little bit. But every time he's a stat chaser, stats don't matter. Every time he chases his stats and the Wizards win, hashtag Wiz50, Papa John's 50% off, all right? It's just, I'm just giving you all the free smoke, all right? You got to go out there and do the thing. I, I think the Celtics will be okay. I think had Evan hit one or two of his shots, this game is 119-119. We might have gone to overtime, or the Celtics might have won the game, eked it out by a point or two. It's a bad, bad first game. But like you said, the dude came in on Friday, tested positive for COVID, had to do a whole bunch of other stuff. He's getting acquainted to a new city, a new offensive and defensive scheme. And, I mean, the fact that he even got, like, 10 shots. Like, that lets me know that, like, Stevens wanted to feature him prominently in the game. And, and I can appreciate that. I can appreciate, yeah. hi, welcome to the team. There's the fire. We're tossing you in it. Yeah. Figure it out. And, um, and Stevens, Stevens did go up to him after the game and say, like, hey, this will be a small blip on the radar if nothing uh, in your time here. So don't don't even worry about it. And which I is just true. I just want to pound the table right now. If we can ever speak this into existence, Bleacher Report and uh, Hardwood Houdini and everyone else has already talked about this, right? All these websites. Bradley Beal, please come to the Celtics, okay? It, Brown, Tatum, Smart, Beal, Wagner, Fournier. I mean, that would be like not necessarily a 2K, you know, franchise mode team, but I would be <laughs> super happy close. with that Celtics team. No, of course yeah. not. But it would be 75% of the way there, so, so that would be good. All right. All right. March Madness, Tim, very big, very big deal. We haven't really talked about it too much. Yeah. Um, There's a good reason for that on, on, on my end. So this would be the first year on record in which uh, I have not taken part in any brackets. Usually I have too many to keep up with. Um, weird schedule changes. Viewing time for me has changed a bit. So I'm going to do something that doesn't happen very often in sports media where I'm going to backtrack and excuse myself for sam to kind of do his thing a little bit here because uh i'm not going to pretend like i I follow along in highlights and i follow along like the big storylines but i have not watched any of the games uh and i feel bad about it i normally do i normally watch a ton of them uh but i did not so sam sam jesus take the wheel all right (laughs) <laughs> there, there's me putting the soapbox out all right let's talk about this okay women's uh women's basketball first from axios sports uconn beat baylor last night 69 67 freshman superstar gonna be Big East player of the year and if not it's a fucking travesty Paige beckers 28 points the yukon huskies advanced to their 13th consecutive final four. Oh, but wait there's a controversial call because apparently the refs swallowed their whistle on dejanay carrington's final drive she looks like she was fouled, according to Axios Sports and LeBron James and most of the sporting world. Let me go ahead and stop you right there. Wait, I, wait, I, I did see this game. I, I saw most of this game. Fantastic. I <laughs> hope you have a different can, opinion than me. I can contribute. Uh, carry here on. he comes. <laughs> I don't want to hear nothing from the Baylor Bears. You went five whole minutes and gave up a 19-0 run to UConn when you had to yeah. lead. I don't want to hear nothing about the last 14 seconds of a game where you knew you were going to get double teamed. And what does the rule say? And I'm going to get on my soapbox about this, so let's get, let's get this out the fucking way. Nothing's reviewable in the last minute that you can even make a case for. So what should you do? You should probably foul. And if you don't, that's probably a, a, a thing that's going to get put on to the other team. You chose to give it to your best person. That was your second best person because your best shooter had an injury. 
And when they had that injury, you had no zag. They zigged, you couldn't zag, and they started opening up points on you. The fact that you came back, I love the hustle. You didn't get to be repeat champions. I'm sorry, but don't give me some bullshit about a last-minute wrestle on the whistle. There are plenty of fouls that could have been called in that game where both my wife and I, we were watching and we are like, that's trash. That should have been called on both teams. Is this a, a an example of let them play? I suppose it is. But at the same time, Gino Ariema's quote after the game was pretty crazy because someone was like, hey, LeBron said that was a foul. And Gino said, do you think LeBron has ever like won a couple games off fouls and was like, no, I should give that W back? Like he said, yeah. there were a couple times where Paige was on the floor with a Baylor player on top of her. And I'm looking at the ref saying, where's the foul? And the ref's answer was, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is. He said, we could have had some fouls called against us. They could have had some fouls called against us. Yeah. Let me just say before you right now, you lost by two points to a team that is one of the perennially best programs in women's basketball. I don't want to hear it. You lost by two points. Had that had that foul been called, it was inside the arc. You were getting two shots to possibly tie the game, but you were not going to win that game. Even if it went yeah. into OT, you were going to lose that game. Because why? There was five minutes in that game where you were asleep at the wheel and UConn did whatever they wanted. Yeah, when they even- needed to... When they needed to to clamp down on you, they could. So I get it. Was it a foul? Most likely. You look at it in real time, bang, bang, play, maybe not enough. You look at the stills, yeah, someone's touching your elbow. Someone's kind of touching you in the face. But, like, did you run into the contact? Did Was it incidental? Did it happen? Could it have been called out of the way? Of course. But don't give me this, this crap about, like, the ref swallowed their whistle. Nah. Nah, they let you play. And you should have taken that as an advantage and realized that this is the time for you to go out there and for your second and third and fourth woman on the roster to go ahead and make a statement. And yeah. I hate it, but I mean, that's, went, that's the game. They were on the, the losing end of a 19-0 and run, right? Like you deserve to lose that game in a playoff game if you give that up. But this, this kind of solidifies for me why I'm not as big of a basketball fan as I am of a lot of other sports. There is so much focus on fouls at the end of the game. Throughout the game, it's like, I mean, I can't watch a basketball game without thinking of soccer every time I watch it or football. Oh, with like flops or not? Because it's like, all right, so there's a rule in the NBA. If I'm going up for a three-pointer and I lean into you, even if you're standing still, I can jump into you with my body, because you're supposed to quote unquote control your body the whole time. And if I make contact with you, that's going to be ruled a foul. And then I'm going to get free throws. Um, there is so much focus and attention on fouls in basketball. I think you could call a foul on almost anything, every play, anything, almost every play in basketball. It tends to favor the better players. And the better teams, for better or worse, they but you, but you garner can the most attention. This is not a new thing. You can play right. for no, that. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that. My my point wasn't that's what they were doing in this game. I'm saying in general, in basketball across the board, it tends to play towards the or tends to favor the better players because they garner the most attention and they're the guys who are you know going towards the rim. I. It looked to me like that play was drawn up to try and draw a foul. Mm-hmm. versus getting mm-hmm. it to any of the other girls who had a free shot. You gave it to your second best girl and said, the game's on the line. 
go up close and try and put this up. Now, there's a lot of things you can say about the difference between men and women's basketball. That's not what we're here for. That's not the conversation that we're trying to have. Oh, it's not? Because, I, I mean, I got a stat that doesn't matter, but. <laughs> but this is, I mean, this is a situation where you tried to put your win on the backs of referees who blow those calls at the highest level of the NBA. They blow they're those human. calls they're every human. night. Yeah, and I'm not saying they're choosing to blow the call. I'm just saying there's so much going on that when a sea of people jump up in the air, how is he supposed to know that like your elbows grazed? And also, that's not really impeding your chance to make a basket. So I don't know. I could go down a whole rabbit hole and how I think the foul call in the NBA needs to be completely reevaluated because it's now a mechanism and a mechanic in the game planning on the offensive side of the ball. And that's not a good look. They tried to do that in this game and it blew up in their face because you lost by two points. Had you just, I don't know, taken a step back and then taken a shot. Maybe that would have been a more egregious foul because their hands would have gone up against your hands, but you jumped into a sea of people they jumped up to stop you from shooting the ball. Is there going to be contact every time you're underneath the basket? A hundred percent of the time. Are they yeah. going to call a foul a hundred percent of the time? Nope. No, they're not going to the same way. If the roles were reversed and there was a foul called against Baylor and it was a UConn player. Yeah. Baylor would be outraged because the refs then determine the ending of the game. Like, and uh, you, I get you got it. less you than two seconds. You got yeah. less than two seconds, and you go up to make that thing. And to be honest, you know everyone's like, "Oh my God, they did they did Dijonay Carrington wrong." Maybe in this one, yes, there, there should have been a foul. However, Baylor is no stranger to having questionable calls that don't go their way that they complain about to the point where Kim Mulkey, one of the most winningest coaches at Baylor, has gotten NCAA action against her because she speaks out against the refs. They won in 2013. They won in 2019. They didn't get a chance to go back-to-back. I understand that. I understand that you're upset. But you're not a new coach. And if this shit happened in 2013, and you think it's going to happen eight years later, then you need to coach around it. And you need to come up with a better plan than just give it to to one of your your second-best player with two seconds to go. Like, all right, come on. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not buying it. Me neither. Me neither. Uh, and, And also, afterwards... You know, the head coach, Kim Mulkey, suggested that they stop conducting COVID tests because it's uh, super invasive and they're at the Final Four, so they just let teams battle it out, which is um, inappropriate at at best and um, super trash for an opinion at worst because you're pretty much saying, "Uh, we don't care who catches COVID. But let's compound this by the fact that Kim Mulkey caught COVID three months ago to the point where Baylor, you know, wasn't able to practice. So sure, let's not test for COVID because we're not worried about it. And we get to the final four. Let's just let them play it out. No, terrible idea. Terrible idea. And VCU would like, would like, would like a word. Speaking of men's basketball, which we're going to, we'll move in there in just a sec. One last thing, South Carolina played Texas tonight, dismantled them 62 to 34. The South Carolina woman, the Baylor woman, the UConn woman, they like they are they are quickly making this three to four team like clog at the top where their teams are so well like composed, they're so well coached. I love watching every single game that I can catch of these teams. For South Carolina to go ahead and put up a 30 burger on a team almost in the final <laughs> to get to the final four is ridiculous. 
Texas didn't score for 12 minutes, the final 12 minutes of the game. Hook them. Am I right? Nah. <laughs> you got hooked. And one game left tonight to play. Louisville versus Stanford's going on right now. <clears throat> we'll quickly hop over to the men's. Houston beat Oregon State. Uh, the Pac-12 has been rolling. No one really thought that the Pac-12 was going to have as many teams in the dance as they did, but they did. And uh, Oregon State made it pretty far, uh, but they lost to Houston 67-61. to um, knocked off a fourth straight double-digit seed in route to, the, to Houston's first Final Four since 1984, and that's Axios Sports reporting that. Uh, i got to be honest, I watched that game. It was so out of hand in the beginning. I thought Oregon State Beavers would not have a chance to come back, but they did. They made it closer. Um, but, you know, that's the way it goes. Uh, Baylor held off Arkansas as well, 81-72. They go to their first Final Four since 1950. And only Oregon has gone more seasons between Final Four appearances at 77 uh, than Baylor, which is, uh, I mean, pretty wild. Pretty wild. Got to hand it to them. Uh, USC and Zag happened tonight before we recorded this. Zags are up 20 at the time where we started recording. Zags ended up won easily. They won easily. Their margin of victory this year in these games has been like 22 points on average. I think it was 85-63 was probably the final. If I'm going to say it right now, knock on wood, uh, this is the Zags year. I, I think they just have so much talent. There are just, they are. I mean, we use this analogy too much, but they're like Thanos or Dark Side or Apocalypse, <laughs> whatever you want to call them. Like they just, they have so much talent. They're so, so aggressive, and they just get up 20 and they just decide to let you score points because they know they just got to keep putting the icing on the cake and they're going to be fine. Like that's fantastic. We still have UCLA, Michigan, 10 p.m. tonight. On the 30th, obviously the outcome will be decided by the time you hear this, but I mean, UCLA has has shocked a lot of people to get to where they are thus far. And um, the dismantling of Oregon was for me was one of those UCLA moments. I was like, all right, I think I need to believe in this team. Like I truly thought Oregon was going to go ahead and just run them. And again, Pac-12, a long time. People were saying, no one really cares about the Pac-12. Your football's not that great. Your basketball's okay. You get bounced. But like, Sabrina Ionescu, for example, Oregon women's basketball, she didn't get a chance to play in the dance last year. Went number one overall in the WNBA draft. She's killing it. Oregon's women made it. Oregon State men, Oregon made it. USC made it. Gonzaga made it. Like there is just, there is so much Pac-12 talent that's going on here. And I, I think it. I think it's great. I, I honestly do. I think that the Pac-12 has been long overdue for some basketball success. It's been a while. Of course, we'd love to see some UW, but, but they didn't make it. We'll just we'll just keep going on after that. But uh, so the, my my only my only uh, celebration of uh, the Sweet 16 is the knocking out of Oral Roberts. That was a cool story on the surface, but um, I'm not going to bury the lead. But if you want to really understand the weird and un well, not unorthodox, but the you weird. See you said on oral on, on oral docs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, if you if if you don't know what Oral Roberts is about, uh, take a little deeper look. They're a religious private school that believes in some really really rancid shit that uh, should not still be perpetuated in 2021. All those kids chose to go to that school. I won't knock any of them. If that's your religious belief or religious religious preference, um, 
I mean, fine. I don't support it at all. Uh, they take some very aggressive stance on homosexuality and things like that, where they still push conversion therapy. Um, I mean, BYU does the same thing for football, right? So, like, you're going to have these these schools that are just there. I think Oral Roberts just never really made it this far. So, like, yeah, no but one really paid attention. They take it a step further. Like, they don't allow canoeing or, like, other quote-unquote dangerous activities because they can't they have a, a school on uh, or they have a class on roughhousing which includes skateboarding and water balloons like it what, is what, what? all right yeah, I, I gotta is, do some research on this it, it was it was started by hardcore evangelists that just never really changed their methodology if you are part of that school system and you are having any beliefs uh in either you know your gender or your sexual orientation, uh, they push you towards counseling as if it is a disorder or if it is some sort of like mental unwell that you can fix with a therapist. Like there are some things in like the NCAA obviously can't come down on that, I guess, because it's, like kids are choosing to go to that school, they're getting paid for that school. But could you imagine being someone? Well, they're not getting paid because they're college athletes. But the school, the money. school's getting paid. Yeah, the school's the school's now going to generate a ton of money because they were the Cinderella story. Now they're on everyone's radar. But I don't know if that like there are a couple sports news outlets out there that end up doing a little bit of a deep dive in there that. uh um, without naming names or calling anybody out, I will say it's worth going and finding some of those because the internet is everyone, undefeated. Everyone got caught up in the old Roberts, like Cinderella story. We get caught up in one every single year. The problem is Cinderella in this case turned out to be just a rancid bitch and it's just not a good look for anybody. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Woo! That's Tim Sidecar. These thoughts, well, these thoughts are on my, uh, these thoughts are my own and are not representative of the Stats No Matter Stats podcast. No Matter podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, this is what I will say, right? I mean, I don't technically, you know, agree with like BYU, for example, or, or mm -hmm. even Gonzaga, right? It's a Jesuit school, right? Like, I, I think you got to keep religion and, and education separate there. But I understand that it happens, and, and it's one thing. Um, you know, going back to Baylor woman, uh, Brittany Griner, who was a, a, a phenom at Baylor. Uh, when she went to the WNBA, she came out and she talked about how she couldn't speak about her own sexual orientation because it was not preferable for recruiting at Baylor, right? So, like, those types of things happen. And the NCAA just makes so much money hand over fist that you have these, these institutions that you'd want a general set of guidelines for everyone to fall underneath. But because they're in a different state, because they believe different than you, that, you know, you're going to see a different university, a different operating set of rules. And it's unfortunate because remember like Loyola Chicago, like, you know, everyone cares about the sister. Everyone's like, Oh my goodness. We got to keep the sister from Loyola Chicago. Like we got to keep her healthy. Like we can't let COVID get her. She's a national treasure. And you get these other schools that come up and you're like, Oh, Roberts, how are they, how are they winning games? And then, you know, Florida beats them. And you're just kind of like, then because they're in your psyche enough, you do some internet research and you go down a couple of rabbit holes and you're like, wow, they made it mm -hmm. to the tournament what like what is the ncaa and let me break it down for you it's money that's it it's money like if you can win games and you have enough endowment and you can find a way to get to the tournament and you can play your way in or your schedule's good enough like you just kind of find a way to do it and i, I agree with you I, I think that you know a, a school that has 
courses on how you should avoid, you know, rough canoeing and, you know, water balloon fights probably shouldn't play contact basketball since everything is a foul, like we just talked about. But I mean, we, Tim, we didn't get March Madness at all last year. So as the Leslie Jones commercial says, we're getting double the madness this year. And that means double the holy shit, crazy stories. I didn't think I knew that. And I was yeah. today years old when I found out that. So that, yeah. that's, that's, that's good, I, I suppose. But it's also I, bad. I, I, I encourage you guys to do a little bit of digging. I, like everyone else, got caught up a little bit into the story. And I, on my own, was like, oh, I've never even heard of Oral Roberts. Where are they from? And then very quickly, I was like, this seems yeah. odd. The Google that, machine is undefeated. Yeah. And then one by one uh like usa today the ringer the worldwide leader everybody started to come out with their own sort of uh we'll call them recappings of the history of oral roberts and where they currently stand and i was like holy shit like this is still a thing in 2021 and i get it this we're not here to to persecute anyone on their religious beliefs we're not here to say like we're not here to push an agenda but we are a tolerant group of dudes. Uh, we are the ones who think that everyone's opinion should be respected. That's one opinion. I don't know if I'm going to be I'm so all full. about. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's not one I'm going to be like, you know what? They're entitled to that. It, dude, it's 2021. I mean, his, yeah, but I mean, that, <laughs> that, that kind of, that side kind of history thinking, at this point. Yeah. That kind of thinking was wrong in 2020, 2019, 2018, 2017, 2016, 20, like all the way back, like many, many years. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like the more you try and change that, the more hardened they yeah. become. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I digress. Yeah. All right. That was Sam's uh, wrap up on college basketball. Now it's my turn to take the wheel a little bit here. Uh, in case you weren't aware, you may have lived under a rock. There was a pretty big UFC fight that went on this weekend. Big league. Uh, <laughs> UFC, the uh, 260 fight card was phenomenal at least in like the three fights two fights leading up to the the final card um sam i don't know if you watched i watched the entire thing i worked through the entire thing i had, part of my job is to watch and monitor it which is uh i can't underestimate how awesome that is um but awesome. yeah there's a lot of good fights on there but it really got out of hand with the Sean O'Malley, uh, Thomas Amaldi fight. Uh, I don't know if you guys know who Sean O'Malley is. Uh, he looks like the Takashi. <laughs> he looks like the Takashi six nine of the of MMA the world, where yeah. he's got like rainbow Herbal. colored hair. He's got the Conor McGregor tattoos, and he's very showy. But he has like some aggressive walk off knockouts where he floors someone, looks at him, and unlike some other fighters who might jump on and just deliver elbows and overhands to the person on the ground, he likes to walk away, as they call the fight. Uh, early on, this had one of those moments where he clipped Amaldi hard and he went down. And if he had jumped on him and delivered a couple of those hammer fists, which while I watch MMA, I'm not the biggest fan of, which is why I'm a bigger boxing fan. But if he had just done that, he would have entered it early. And you thought for a little bit, oh, shit, he might actually lose this because Maldi got back up, regrounded himself, and actually did very well going into the, the second. And it took till the like middle portion of the third round before O'Malley stepped it back up. He ended up catching him clean. It was like a one-shot knock down. It should have been called at least a TKO. 
and O'Malley did again the walk away and you start questioning like dude what are you doing you know this is MMA it ends when the ref calls it or someone taps out which uh, neither one of those things happened so to me and I know they always call them bang bang plays to me when O'Malley <laughs> turned walked casually up to him like as if he was going to check out how he was feeling the ref didn't notice that uh, Amaldi, uh, Amaldo was on his back and not even attempting to defend himself when Amaldi literally reached up to the moon, grabbed it, and used it to just rain down a overhand right to the temple of uh, Almede, and then it was called immediately. On this. It was just out cold. Like That's the part of MMA for me that I don't really like. Like There's a point where... Like, it's such an aggressive form of combat sports. Like, there's always a point where you're like, oh, shit. Like, maybe we should have stopped that early. And that was one of those. Like, guys unable to defend himself. And while he's lying on the ground, you let another guy literally slowly walk up and drop a wide open, what appeared to be as hard as he could, shot maker to the cheekbone temple jaw area like that's a bit aggressive so um i get it o'malley should have knocked him out and and finished the fight early on he keeps going for these like posterizing moments could have been a chance like you know say amalde uh got a lucky shot and knocked him down it's a very different looking fight but unfortunately i think uh i I mean everyone who uh Sugar Shane was going to take this one, but that one was a bit aggressive. The I, just, Vince, I hate the fact that he called himself Sugar Shane. I really do. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I don't, uh, I, don't, I don't mind it. So for anybody who doesn't know and wonders where Sugar comes from, um, way back in the Sugar Shane Mosley era and beyond, if you were a new boxer, now. Yeah, yeah, if you were a new boxer in a club, you generally were given the Sugar moniker. And then eventually, you you know, you kept it, you, you got out of it. But Sugar, a lot of guys get Sugar Shane Mosley and so on. So obviously, O'Malley has, has, has held on to that and kept it there. But no, 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 it is what it is. I don't know if I like him yet. Uh, I think he's he tries too hard for these poster moments. And one of these fights, it's going to bite him in the ass. It's really going to bite him in the ass. Um, 100% it's going to yeah. bite him in the ass. And then you had the uh, Vincent Luque and uh, the Tyron Woodley fight, and that one everyone was kind of looking forward to. You thought Woodley was sort of on this rebound, and he was finding a way to, you know, put himself in position to be, you know, top of that weight division. Got outclassed, outclassed. First round submission. He uh, uh, first hit- round. Yeah, first round. It was bad. It was it it, it was really bad. He was he was out by choke. Uh, but like most of the first round, he he looked like he was about to fall over. He was like, you know, if you played Mike Tyson punch out and the guy's like wobbling, that's what it looked like. If you play, <laughs> we'll fast forward for you 
fucking young kids if you played Fight Night at any point Ooh. on your Xbox. In the beginning, it was like, you youngins. Now, Tim was like, you fucking youngins. Yeah, dude. I, first of all, if anybody wants to smoke on Fight Night, uh, I'll give you my phone number right now and you can come find okay. me. I'll take you down now. You probably, you probably have like the little the little computer version. We got the cheat in. I'm not, I'm not taking that. No, 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 man. Uh, so I lived in Portland. I had... Uh, oh, did you? Indirect inguinal hernia surgery i'll let you guys google that um and i thought i was gonna be out for a week i was out for a month where i couldn't stand up straight shout out to yk for dog sitting that same week go fuck yourself mm, shout out to no, not really. um i could not stand up could not do anything and i had to fumble my way down uh, a flight of stairs to let this tiny dog out that we were uh dog sitting for a sister so um i'm mad about that still but anyway <laughs> Uh, I bought a bunch of video games and one of those was <laughs> Fight Night. And by the end of my medical leave, I'm pretty sure I was pound for pound the best Fight Night fighter on the planet. Hands down. Tim Roy Jones Cronin. Ah, that was my guy. Uh, Roy Jones. <laughs> I would beat the shit out of everyone. Uh, I was literally the Get epitome. Out to Austin Strickland, the best pound for pound fighter in the world. I was. I was legitimately that guy you see on Reddit where I had my headphones on and I was just pummeling kids and talking shit. I'm like, dude, yeah, are you even trying right now? And it was like, first round knockout, first round knockout, first round knockout. So anybody who wants that smoke, come find it. Yeah, uh, leave leave anyway. a one star review and we'll get we'll, we'll set up the details. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're talking virtual here, right? I'm not actually trying to find anyone. Man, I'll get my ass kicked. Virtually, I'll meet you all in the Xbox Live world. All right, yeah. Uh, all right, let's get in the meat and potatoes of this. Uh, Francis Ganu versus Stipe, and I had bets up on this one too. And let me tell of you, you, did. And did guess, you win? <laughs> of course, of course, I did. You did. Of course yeah. you did. Of course yeah, yeah. So a lot of the thought Either was: you have the best bookie in the world, or you just your Tim Stradamus. One of the two. So here's the, here's the deal. Here's how I looked at this fight. Here's uh, the deal. If anybody looked at Naganu, there's zero chance that if he is on the top of his game and is landing punches, you're going to stand up against that. The only way you defeat that or you beat that is to go ground, go to the grapple, go to a situation where you're wrestling, right? You stand a chance that way. That man is a beast. He weighs he, he weighs the same weight that I do. That two I don't even know. He's like 220. I, he weighs 10 pounds, 15 pounds more than I do. But if you compare my body to that man's body, he looks like a figurine from the Athens era. He was carved out of porcelain. Like it is no joke. And when you see him up against someone like Stipe, which shout out to Stipe. Phenomenal career, definitely a Hall of Famer. I got to give it to him. But if you look and see what Francis learned from the first fight until this fight, it's like he studied everything he was bad at in that first round, uh, that first fight, and came out and countered all of that. He, in fact, right before the win, he ate a hard, hard right hand. Uh, from Stipe that I thought was going to knock him down and he just kind of shrugged it off and then just ended the fight. Like, did I expect it to go out in the second round? No, I didn't expect it to go out in the second round, but um, he kind of proved that like he is a scary, scary man. When he's calm, 
He doesn't get worked up. He's a scary, scary dude. And if you look at the first fight compared to the second fight, the first fight was like a, oh, this is a fight. You look at this one, you're like, oh, this is an ass whooping. Yeah. You gotta be nervous. Like this sets up a John Jones fight. I know there's some contractual oh. disputes. I know oh. John Jones is trying I don't to wanna hear it. John Jones feels like he earned needs to make more money and like I haven't delved don't into what he's cocaine. making don't get DUIs. Yeah. Don't like, you know, get all these other things like coming at you. But Come it's on. also the best in the sport that has ever fought in the sport. So like sure, there's some shit yeah. that's gone down. Yeah, he went Let's, 500 with Daniel Cormier, and one of those was a no contest because of a failed drug test. So but I don't, even Cormier, I like you can't. But even Cormier came out and was like, "Look, despite all the things between us, but even he's even not Cormier went 500 versus Stipe. So like, you know, like this is just the thing. It is like Francis came out and definitely whooped that ass. And Stipe after the fight said, "100, percent we were at a game plan. I thought we were going to be able to keep going, and I." This is on me. I changed the game plan. I wanted to go in. I wanted to do some things differently. And he opened himself up, and he took that massive, sweet right-hander, and that was Murder, She Wrote. So he, like, also, he also took a couple, what is, which, which is crazy. Like, when you look at Francis and you see his body shape, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. he's huge. He's Adonis. But, but we've all he's, seen— He's carved out of marble. But we've all seen, like— bodybuilders who look like they can't wipe their own ass like this guy puts them all to shame he was throwing kicks kicks that were landing on point and doing damage so like that i mean that is a scary scary dude so um i don't know what it holds in his future i think uh him and i, I if you haven't looked it up look at the video from cameroon of all of the people in his like town losing their minds watching and when it goes on it it's amazing it is so so good to watch so if you need something wholesome check it out um one if you're an mma fan we got a shit ton of good fights coming up if you're not an mma fan but you're kind of on the fringe Start paying attention to some of the upcoming cards. There's been some shakeups, so we'll see how they all land. But pay attention. There's some good ones coming out. One hundo, as the kids say. One hundo. All right. Moving on. If you want my new favorite uh, sports to talk about, Formula One. Oh? With oh. tires spelled T-Y-R-E-S. Uh, grids, paddocks, P1, P6, all kinds of pit, box, box, mate. If you listen to any of these terms, <laughs> you got to go ahead and watch Formula One Drive to Survive on Netflix. I am pounding the table. I don't care. We're not getting advertising dollars. It's a fantastic show. It's basically a hard knocks for Formula One. And it goes behind the scenes and it shows you, A, how much money you really need to spend in Formula One, and B, how much clickism there is, and C, how fucking hard it is to drive Formula One oh, in, the, in the modern world. It's just unbelievable. And it actually made me get up this Sunday morning, because the Worldwide Leader Channel 2 had Formula 1 from the uh, Bahrain Grand Prix. Fantastic. Storyline going in. Red Bull, Mercedes, going to go 2-1. They're always going to be battling back and forth. Lewis Hamilton drives from Mercedes, seven-time world champion. This was a race. This is probably one of the first races where I remember watching like a good portion of the 56 laps thinking, like, yeah, we might, we might see some upset here. Backstory, Mercedes, new engine, Red Bull, 
trying to figure things out, tired of being the second kid on the block and just trying to come up and like lay a haymaker. It was going to happen. They finally, Red Bull finally got close enough, a track technicality with him going completely off the track. You have to have at least one wheel of the tire on, on the outskirts. And Max Verstappen went all the way outside, then came back in and overtook Hamilton. Race director said, you can't do that. You got to get let Hamilton go back in front of you. And it had taken all race pretty much for them to get that distance close enough where Verstappen could overtake uh, Hamilton. It didn't really work out. Obviously, Max Verstappen thought he could run up a lead, take a five-second penalty, see where the chips fall. Um, but that's not what the race directors wanted. This is going to be the start of a many, many, many drama-filled 22 outings to go in this season. Um, a lot of people on Twitter were like, well, hey, Lewis Hamilton definitely didn't follow that rule to the letter of the law these other 20 times, so why would we penalize Verstappen and not throw it against Hamilton? And, of course, the FIA had some, some, some stuff to say about that, and they said it's two different rules between where they were talking about on that particular corner and what Max did. Let's let's look at it for what it is. Mercedes did a bold pit strategy. They said we're going to wait, that we're going to pit, we're going to come back out, and we're going to la- we're going to keep these tires as long as we possibly can. I encourage you, you go and you look at the the podium um, where Lewis Hamilton's car is up, and those tires look like blistered, looking like a like a straight up tortilla chip. There's so many air bubbles in that damn mm. tire. Tortillas, shout out hoots. <laughs> and I'm just saying that like him holding off or stepping there at the end for less than a second after the overtake was pretty crazy. And it's going to be nothing but but one of the first of many battles we're going to get this year in which a couple people are going to go off the track. A couple people are going to get pissed that some stuff happened. But there's so many good moves that are happening in Formula One this year. And to be honest, I didn't watch enough of it in 2020. And I'm kind of pissed about that because I think like, on Sunday mornings, yo, your boy's eating breakfast, watching people race halfway around the world, nine hours ahead. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, I, I might totally I, do that. I, I might actually. Uh, so Formula One is, uh, to, to be fair, uh, Sam's going to talk NASCAR in a second. I'm going to let him because I actually, of all the things I uh, don't really care about, NASCAR is probably really low on that list. Like, it's just one of those. I I went to high school in an area where it was super popular, but I started high school and I grew up in an area where we had a road track where they did uh, motorcycle racing, Formula One racing, and like streetcar racing in uh, a, a place called Willow Springs out in California. And that was incredibly fun to watch. So every time I watch Formula One, I really get like pulled into it. It's like watching like actual moto gp races on oh, street tracks so, it's so good it's so I just, crazy especially just, after you watch formula one drive to survive hashtag on netflix i'm gonna the problem now is uh i get out of work at 6 a.m on sundays so my my time to get into formula one is probably not now but sometime in the near future i'll get into it i got this wonder, awesome though, thing called uh digital video recording device dvr have you heard of it <laughs> actually it's a good point i uh or well no, no, I was going to say I could watch it uh, earlier <laughs> than that, but not when it's... But um, in any event, I got to wonder, though, like, Lewis Hamilton is one of those guys who's always, always in the conversation. He is, like, one of the more winning 
Formula One racers that have he's, ever... He's tied Michael Schumacher for the most number of world championships, right? Seven. So, like, you know, yeah. he's, yeah, he's yeah, going yeah, yeah. for the and kill shot this year. And he's, and he's still young. Like, he's got yeah. several years of racing left. So, he will be one of the greats. And I feel like Formula One is one of those type of, uh, I don't want to say industries, but a, a sport. It's, it's one of those fields where... Uh, it tends to be some of the same names all the time because it's the money in the team, it's the quality of the racer, all combined to just dominate a lot. But I have to stop, take a little pause, and I have to look at Red Bull because let's let's look at what that is. Red Bull was an energy drink that started when I was a kid. They have their fingers, not even their fingers. They are they skydiving. Are fr- they have Flip their diving. foot. Yeah. Moto. Auto racing. Snowboarding. All they have their foot. Skiing. Literally. Cliff diving. Uh, inside. Cliff diving. Yeah. Squirrel inside, seats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Inside the doors. Not even like a, a, a step in the door. They they literally have a, an entire leg in the door, if not fully competitive in so many sports now and that they're number co- two overall right now like they, they've been number two for me it's just it's Man. just tweaking and they're gonna go over shout out to christian horner who's married to a spice girl i don't know if you know that shit but if you nah. i'm telling you you gotta watch formula one drive to survive tim it's three but seasons for, Thursday i, just I came would out. say i would say the only thing more expensive than maybe formula one might be like yacht racing like i don't even know what's more expensive <laughs> than that but, yeah, pretty much, pretty but, much, because you got to build your see, own car in Formula One. Yeah, but to see Red Bull, and I'm going to keep saying it because it's insane. Red Bull, Red Bull, the two for four dollar cans you see when you walk into the cooler at your grocery store or your gas station is not only flirting with overtaking the best racer that has probably ever stepped behind the wheel in Formula One. Look at motocross you look at any dirt track racing sport yeah any dirt track racing any kind of off-road racing any kind of truck racing uh they got their hands in nascar they have their hands literally in everything and this isn't even counting all the fringe sports and i say fringe because they just don't have a lot of viewer base uh fucking plane racing where you have the yes. stunt pilots go through the cones mm-hmm. 20 feet off the ground that's uh, why i say cliff diving the flu diving. races yeah dude it uh, is. i i watched i watched like four or five episodes like one late saturday morning like early saturday morning <laughs> a couple months ago of like i i watched like the the 2018 like red bull like cliff diving circuit there was like that's one in like insane. galway ireland there's one in boston like where people diving 200 feet if, into the harbor like what the hell is do, this if you do not follow red bull on instagram you are doing yourself a disservice because disservice. the craziest shit oh, yeah. snowboarding skiing oh yeah the the mountain bikers are insanity so i just want to take a quick second appreciate an energy company that never let up on their grind that has never, never is like a staple in sports in the sports world globally right now as as a whole yeah I, I can't help but be like in awe of it like first of all someone at the top of that leaderboard is stupid rich like i don't know how he's not up in the conversations with guys like tesla and like you know company you know guys who oversee like elon musk and 
mm. and Zuckerberg because I, I want to know what he's worth, but he has to be worth so much so money. Much. So, so much money. Anyway. So much money. I, I, I personally love I love the fact that McLaren's making a big push this year. Uh, Haas' brand new team, Haas F1, which is actually owned by Gene Haas, an American. That's pretty crazy. He has two German drivers. That's not, that's not really going out too well for him right now. Well, one German driver is like kind of controversial. And then Michael Schumacher's son, Mick Schumacher. That's a great story. Uh, Alba Terai, uh with uh, Pierre Gasly, uh, like a rapper, like a snack rapper, caught his brakes on fire this past this past race. Like a whole bunch of wild stuff. There were accidents. It was oh. very, very good. I'm telling you, you need that to was... get you need to get on the Formula One train. Next race, next GP is in three weeks. Um, go find it. You're gonna. Love I was it. very confused when you, when you said a snack rapper. I literally thought you were talking about a rapper who made songs about snacks, like a like jingle DJ, for DJ Dunkaroo. Yeah, I was like a little gusher. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> not to not to not to sidebar here real quick, but we gave my son his first like fruit by the foot. Uh, like. Do, is it candy? What do you call that? A fruit roll up? No, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a fruit uh fruit paste fruit product. Yeah, fruit yeah. strip. So Wait, he got his you, first you one. You gave him fruit by the foot. You didn't give him like Oreo O's or Surge. Oh or no, well no no Warheads well, 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 or... no no no. Well, let's let's be clear. This isn't his first bit of candy. Like the kid <laughs> does enjoy his good candy. He's got fantastic teeth, by the way. So fuck all you guys who are judging me right now because I know you're doing it. <laughs> um, no, he said candy. <laughs> Loves chocolate, but. In the, in the last two, <laughs> I, I, I know it. I'm feeling, I'm feeling the parents. We're out there recording like, this, but we're just, we're just thinking in the ether of the people who are going to give oh, you shit. Oh my this. god, I already know. It's in the, the the 2020 is 2021 is the most judgmental era of all time, and I, there's people going to listen. You gave your child candy. He's five. Yeah, the kid has said candy, but uh, today he had. But today and yesterday? Yeah. In the last two days, he's had two things uh, that were both appalling and to him the best things on the planet. One was this fruit by the foot, which when I was a kid, um, fruit roll-ups, right, different beast. Fruit roll-ups, if you don't know what they are, because you're a child. Super young. Yep. Uh, it's it's a, a fruit paste that is rolled out and then dried in a dehumidifier that literally sucks the moisture out so you get this really delicious circular shape they used to Fruit have jerky to... is really what it is if you think about it kind of yeah and, yeah. It, and it's got you, patterns came, and little spirals and stuff from... on top of it designs oh well no, sam's older than i am i mean sam's younger than i am so mine didn't have patterns mine was literally a disc but he's not wrong <laughs> it came from the same machine you would make jerky with it's basically you take a product and you just suck all the moisture out of it really quickly and you're left with this byproduct of meat it's jerky with fruit it's uh we call them fruit roll-ups or i don't even know what else you would call it fruit it's not a fruit pastry but anyway anyway it would be on this like film wrap and you'd peel it off and sometimes it'd be stuck on the on the the shit but it was delicious and then fast forward along you had a company who marketed quote-unquote fruit roll-ups that were a thing where the sugar content was like three times as much as if you made it at home and then a company took it even further they made fruit strips, which was like a five fruit foot by long. the foot. It was amazing. Yeah. They call it fruit by the foot, but it was like five feet of this material made out of like dehydrated. Yeah. <laughs> so I get in this thing. I'm like, all right, it's probably you know, there's unhealthier foods. Let's let's go for it. 
they put so much blue dye in this thing on purpose. It was like the when he was done eating this thing, he smiled at me and he looked like the penguin from Batman Returns. He just like blue uh, shit all over his teeth oh, and coming yeah. out of his mouth. Uh, and then we decided Did you to give him gushers or Dunkaroos yet. Not yet. That's yeah, you're that's a, a fucking terrible far. parent. You're an absolutely terrible parent. I got I, my I'm wife almost it. was it Gushers. It's funny you say that because my wife, I think yesterday said she almost bought Gushers something. Gushers and Dunkaroos are the only two like snacks that kids need to understand. Like, nah, they're the they, best. they make they make sour any gummy like bunny snack gummy uh, Annie's Annie's is like <laughs> yeah the organic kid yeah. yeah yeah it's like yeah, organic, I, I organic somewhat healthy. So this is like a anyway we gave it to him as an alternative. My I think my wife wanted the. Uh, the gummy bunnies and for, for the record we're not organic i literally just bought a five pound bag of albany's world's best gummy bears three weeks ago it's literally half the I mean, size of my son I mean, harry bow has a lot of questions to ask right now but they're not sponsoring us in this podcast yet. i had i had somebody say that same thing and i sent them the same five pound bag and let me tell you man winner winner chicken dinner albany's Okay, where do you get them? Costco? So, well, we'll talk offline about this. All right. Amazon. Here we go. $11 on Amazon for I five can't pound bag. Gummy bears off Amazon. It's not going to happen. What? It's not happen. Well, first of all, you can buy Albanese anywhere. Just the five pound bag of it came from Amazon. You can get them from Office Max. I, uh, years, <laughs> like. Oh, yeah. Love oh, my God. Child, uh, the, my the, the child <laughs> snacks there. The, uh, the, the low bar in my candy life was. Um, <laughs> Eight months ago. I have a little bit of an addiction to Mike and Ike's. I know we're getting way off topic, but this is fun. So let's go. Uh, about Mike and Ike's. They're the worst. Tootie no. Fruities are bust. Try them now. No. When I was younger, when I was younger, no. not a fan of Mike and Ike's. Now, Shout out to my dad. He gave me rock barley candy back in the day. Still don't like nah. it. All right. Listen, listen, Linda, listen. Um, <laughs> when I was a kid, I was not a fan of Mike and Ike's. Hot tamales are okay. Mike and Ike's not so much. I had them. Uh, so where good I work, good is what I was saying. I said, yeah, good plenty are terrible, terrible. You're, you're anyway, terrible with this trash, on. Mike and So the the place in which I work has a cafeteria that's fully stocked, and part of that stocking is a candy section which has jars that you can fill like a bag and you pay by weight. And mm. they had Mike and Ike's one day, and I'm like, you know what? I haven't had these in a while. I'm gonna get these suckers. Not only did I get addicted as if it was crack cocaine. Uh, I shared them with several people at work, and I've shared them with several people outside of work. And now I, to this day, still get messages from people who are like, "God damn it, I can't stop it!" And they send me pictures of their Mike and Ike bags. It's younger versus now. It's like the perfect. It's the literally. It's not a jelly bean, but Skittles give you that gross spitty thing you got going on. Nope, I don't, I don't feel that way with Skittles whatsoever. Am I? Is a motherfucker going to have to do I a Mike Skittles. and Ike? What's in my cup next week? Yeah. So Skittles. Don't get me wrong. Skittles, all time favorite candy. Right up until two years ago. No. So I I was in a fraternity. You're not just and, my lawyer. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know who the, you are. The the I was in a fraternity. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this. Oh, were you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the night I got in was a little bit of a blur, but some uh, very nice. Some I was so excited. Um, a friend of the fraternity and of myself got me a one pound bag of Skittles because she knew I love Skittles. But when you get into this fraternity, one of the things you do 
uh, shout out USM, is you go marching around campus and you sing your fraternity song in front of all the buildings. It's like a tradition. Oh, yeah. Loved it. I loved Skittles so much. I ate that entire one, pa- one pound bag of Skittles on the walk to campus and back. That's a bad idea. Yeah. I know how this story's so, going to end. Yeah. So what happens at the end of uh, that walk is a lot of consumption of adult beverages. So... I'm gonna leave it up to your imagination, but imagine uh, a one pound bag of Skittles. Definitely this part out. Yeah, <laughs> definitely no. added this part out. This sounds like hazing. <laughs> it's it's good. <laughs> nope, it was all voluntary. It was all delicious. Um, but there were repercussions. I'll leave it at that. Um, but no, I love Skittles. Everyone who listens to this, go out. They cost like fifty eight cents. Buy a pack, uh, one one little pack of Mike and Ike's, and then report back next week. Then that's your homework. Oh, this is this trash homework. All right, let, let's let's move on here from Formula <laughs> One to talking about uh, some other stuff. Tim, did you know that NASCAR dirt track racing is a thing? There's an annual race every year in Bristol, Tennessee called the Food City Dirt Race. I did not. I was yesterday years old when I found that out after seeing the clips on Twitter of the cars going and the trucks going around that dirt track. And I was thinking to myself, why the fuck are we doing this more times a year? And why are we not seeing this on primetime television? That was amazing. Having, like, you know, you, you have these these cars that go so fast, and they're, like, they're just a shell of themselves because they're not really, they don't have a whole bunch of things like a radio or an air conditioning unit, but they need windshield wipers. That's what makes this race so fucking, so great. It was fantastic. And the race was, like, kind of delayed because there was heavy rains that were going through. And uh, to be honest, Shout out to uh, Joey L- Logano, right? He, he was number one. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., number two. And Denny Hamlin, number three. So Ford, Toyota, Ford, Chevrolet, and Toyota, one, two, three. But, like, outside of points that they got, I need, like, 10 dirt track races from NASCAR a year. Like, 100%. I, I need more <laughs> dirt track racing in my life. I need more brap going around corners. I need I need seeing cars slide and crash into other cars because it just it looks so much better. I don't understand why NASCAR doesn't throw in some more tracks that aren't ovals and more dirt track racing a year. I just don't get it. I don't get it. What you can't what you can't see is that while Sam is talking, his neck is getting more red and more red and more <laughs> red. Uh, while I appreciate races outside of the oval racing, like uh, NASCAR street races, I think are fantastic. Uh, introduced like the, the truck series. I think those are great mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. I'm just not a fan of the, and get, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not difficult to drive as fast as you possibly can in an oval for, four hours i'm not saying that that's not it's i couldn't do it it's super difficult one i couldn't do it because i would have to pee every 45 minutes to an hour and a half i got i got that old man i got that old man bladder i got that old man bladder that gets exasperated when i'm in a car um but no i like i can appreciate some of the races that nascar does that are a little bit outside of the normal realm but um I, I just don't follow NASCAR. Like I didn't even know that was a race this weekend. They're either poor either. at mark. They're Me just either. either poor at marketing, or they're like throwing events that they just do. Which in either case, I like I want to know about these things. Like I I know when there's a NASCAR street race coming up, like when they do road tracks. I think those are fantastic because those cars go 
crazy quick on the straightaway, but they're not that great at turns, which is why Formula One is so exciting. They're balls out fast uh, on a straightaway, but they can also do a corner at like 78 miles an hour versus a NASCAR that has to like really slow down because, you know, the turning radius on one of those cars that's used to going in a giant circle is uh, a, a lot different. Again, not taken away from NASCAR racers. I'm sure it's super hard. I've been in my car in traffic driving for four hours. I know that sucks. I can't imagine doing it at 128 miles an hour with everybody trying to, you know, wreck you. So shout out to them. But I would like to see one of these races. I missed it. I didn't see it, but I will endorse NASCAR street races if you ever want to catch one. I wish I could tell you, like, when I watched, like, I watched a significant portion of the race and I was just like, so elated <laughs> i was like a child like watching watching people throw dirt up on the track and i was like oh this is great like i didn't pay attention to any of the commentary whatsoever i didn't care who was in first i didn't care who wrecked i was just like this is a thing nascar races on the dirt and i was just like all right guys thanks for listening to this uh episode of stats no matter on next week's episode we're gonna talk about destruction derbies and mud races i'm just telling you i'm just telling you i'm a i'm a simple kind of man like leonard skinner says uh, <laughs> all right so we'll, we'll go on with that but definitely, i can't believe we got to i can't believe we got to nascar dirt races before we got to cricket yeah well i feel like that's a disservice to our fans i'm sorry guys i'm sorry i think Alex, we'll, we'll get there we'll get there yeah all right let, let's let's tie this thing up. We got some we got some NFL news here. San Francisco 49ers gave up three first mm, round picks mm-hmm, to go ahead mm-hmm. and get the number three pick in the draft this year. It's obviously QB Bonanza this year, similar to how it was in 2018 when uh Baker, Lamar, Darnold, other folks, Josh Rosen was all coming out, right? And listen, all this smoke screen that they're doing. Oh, the 49ers are going up to the third pick. They're going to either pick Justin Fields or Mac Jones and all this other stuff. Nah. Let me tell you what's going to happen. San Francisco, in my assertion, traded up to get the number three pick because they want to tell Jimmy Garoppolo, listen, you need to play your ass off this year because he, he's not making any guaranteed money this year, right? All the guaranteed money was in the beginning part of his contract. It's not happening this year. And if, if I'm San Francisco... If you want to get a quarterback, you can probably still get one at 12 or 15 or 6. You can you can move back. So they moved up. They trade all these picks before the draft, but they're going to have that number three pick on draft night, right? NFL draft, April 29th through May 1st, I think, uh, of this year. It's going to be in Cleveland. They're actually going to have fans there. So shout out to the NFL. And they're, they're clearly on draft night going to say, oh, we really want Mac Jones. or Oh, we really want Justin Fields. There's going to be another team that's willing to throw the farm at them, and that's what they're going to do. I, I don't believe any of this stuff. They're trying to get Mac Jones or Justin Fields or Kyle Shanahan wants this quarterback or they didn't go to this pro day. I don't believe any of that. I do think that like the thing to pay attention to here is, look, Jimmy Garoppolo, great quarterback in Shanahan's system. They need something for the future, but do you need to leverage the farm for the third pick and give up three first-rounders? to get that quarterback and I'm just not sure that you do. So right. I think I think they're going to I think they're doing all this so they can get some more draft capital on draft night. I don't, I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback at number 3. Yeah, I mean, so the thing about Garoppolo is that they win like 3 quarters of a game of their games when he is on the field. Like they win 
a vast majority majority of those games. And they were also really, really close to winning a Super Bowl with Garoppolo. Yeah. So anybody so who like, tries like, to come out and bring say in a rookie quarterback and be like, we're starting this guy. Oh, yeah, so anybody, anybody who comes out and says that he's like an underachiever and he's not like, is he injury prone? Yeah, he is. I'll be the first one to admit it. Uh, I actually thought he was the future of the New England franchise. Would I have been upset if he was the future? Yeah, uh, there's some conversations about him maybe going to New England and New England playing a role, but that's what, what triggered Shanahan to come out and say, like, it's going to take a really attractive offer. I feel like that's their way of speaking out without actually yeah, the speaking same thing out. with Russell Wilson, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, so trading up for a quarterback in the last, let's say, since 2017 and now, which seems to be, I mean, I guess teams always trade up a little bit whenever there's a big quarterback on the board but it seems since like 2017 until now it's been a drastically different look than what it was before and it hasn't quite we'll say worked out for like most teams yeah Um, if you get a second or a third round quarterback you usually hit if you if you spend up to get a first round quarterback, with the exception of I would say like Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Well, like but I mean, like they they didn't move to like for Mahomes and the Chiefs, they didn't move to two, they moved to twelve. Yeah, and the thing is, like, uh, if we're looking at teams who did make out, Washington from 2017 is still reeling a little bit because they bet the farm on RG three. Did not go well. Uh, they gave up four first round picks in total. Instead, the Rams, who took all of those, uh, they got the 15th, the 43rd, the 45th, and the 76th? Yeah. Uh, plus the 2017 first and third round. So that was back in, sorry, back in 2016. Um, they gave up... No, no. Oh, sorry. No, no. Washington. I'm going to start over because I'm going to cut that out. Washington is still reeling quite a bit from when it first made its move towards RG3 because it gave up four first-round picks for him. You saw how that worked out. Uh, Rams made similar moves back when uh, they went for Jared Goff. They gave up the 15th, the 43rd, the 45th, and the the 76th pick in 2016, plus the 2017 first and third round. However... The Titans in that got Derrick Henry, Corey Davis, Jonu Smith, and Jane Cochlin. So if we look now and see where Jared Goff lands, obviously that one doesn't quite pass the sniff test. Um, it moves on to the Bears. They unloaded the number third pick, uh, the 67th overall, the 111th overall, and the 2018 third round pick uh, for a... Uh, Mitchell Trubisky. I don't know if you're familiar with who he is. Oh, he's so uh, good. So good. Yeah. Uh, but the team that really made out of all this was the Saints because San Francisco took all those picks. They turned the third round pick into defensive end Solomon Thomas, but their 67th pick was uh, a guy, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but Alvin Kamara. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty Which, big deal. 
Yeah, which immediately after uh, that pick, the rights were traded away to the Saints. The Saints picked him up. Uh, so the Bears lost out. The Niners lost out. So, like, the chase for the big one hasn't worked out other than Kansas City. I think the problem right now is that everyone is looking to try and strike gold. Everyone's trying to land that that Patrick Mahomes deal. Uh, you see it a little bit here. You see it a little bit there. Uh, you saw the Cardinals do the same move this week. He's, I mean, this uh, this previous season with Kyler Murray, which has kind of worked out, kind of hasn't. You saw the Browns move up a little bit for Baker Mayfield, which is still kind of on the fence. Uh, you saw the Bengals do the same thing. Uh, it, it's tough. Everyone's trying to chase the 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 miracle. The you know they're trying to capture everything like in the right now. But you go back, look at all the the best quarterbacks who have been in the league. Most of them played underneath somebody else for a little while. But now there's so much pressure on trading up in draft and and expending some of your future to try and bring in some of these young guys that once they're on the team, you've literally spent so much to get them there that then you got to start questioning like when you start them, you put them in now do you put them in later? How's that going to pan out? Um, it's an interesting time. It's an interesting time because for me, it feels like a lot of the old school veterans that have been there, are starting to slowly phase themselves out and are starting to get replaced by some of the newer talent. And some of that newer newer talent is getting forced in. Yeah, you know, Tim, I, I agree, right? You got these these number one, these number two uh, quarterback picks. And to be honest, like we look like over the like the past few years, right? Like Murray is sort of a flash in the pan, maybe. I mean, you go eight and eight, like it's not that's not really what you're expecting. Like uh baker mayfield definitely brought a winning season to cleveland like a chance for them to go to the playoffs right like that, that's a very big franchise changing thing but the jets you think they want that sam Darnold pick back yet they probably mm. do the ravens don't they, the ravens definitely think like hey we took lamar in the first round 32nd overall like this is fantastic the chiefs are like hi 10 year 500 million dollars what's up you up <laughs> kind of thing but it does. It just to me the whole idea of holy shit, we need a quarterback. Let's leverage yeah. the future. Like I'm just not a fan of that whatsoever. Right? Why is that? Tom Brady, sixth round, 200 or 199th pick overall. Right? Russell Wilson, third round, 75th pick. You, you know, like you you can go and there's plenty of stories where like quarterbacks don't get necessarily valued in the way that they should. They get overvalued. And they get overvalued like once every four or five years <laughs> where someone goes, wow, we need new quarterbacks. So Tim Cronin's going to go number one overall. Sam's good, but Sam can't throw the run like Tim can. So that's what like, that's why we get this draft content with Zach Wilson yeah. throwing on the run. Everyone's like, I've never seen a throw like that. I'm like, have you never watched Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, or Patrick Mahomes? Because right. they literally do the same thing. It is, they didn't do it at their pro day. So like, there's so much hype that's going into these quarterbacks. And it's just like, Okay, throw the farm in them if you want, but like you're like you're expecting to get Patrick Mahomes, but the real the real expectation is Baker Mayfield the best, 
Kyler Murray, most likely. Or, oh, heaven forbid, Josh Rosen. But, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is on the board. So, you got that going for you. Outside of that, though, like, really, like, Justin Fields, like, remember the last time we fell in love with an Ohio State quarterback? His name was JT Barrett. What's he yes. doing now? Hey, there's another guy who got drafted uh, really early and teams traded up for him. <clears throat> this a guy named Blake Bortles. Carson Wentz. Is he selling cars right now? Not Carson Ooh, Wentz. I mean, I mean Blake Bortles. Uh, yeah, I mean he might. Yeah, be. I mean, I mean it's it, everyone is. It's tough. I don't think uh, Josh Allen. I think Lamar Jackson. I think Russ. I uh, not Russell Wilson. Sorry, Patrick Mahomes. Ah, I almost got you to say it. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking like recent draft classes, not people who drafted like ten years ago. Um. I think I think what you're seeing is the talent at the quarterback position now that we're in a running league is drastically different than what it was before. Like Blake Bortles was not drafted because he could move and run in the pocket and neither was Sam Darnold and a lot of those Sam Darnold maybe. He might have been one of those guys that, and to his defense I think he could be a decent quarterback if he had been put on a better team to start. I think he was just mismanaged miscoached and whatever i think sam Darnold might if he goes to another team have a chance to be a decent quarterback i think there are several guys who are like that i think the mismanagement of uh, mark sanchez and tim tebow kind of killed both of their careers because neither one of them were superstar quarterbacks but i think both of them could have been decent to mediocre if not okay quarterbacks if they had been like the sole quarterback but i mean poor mark sanchez had to play, you know, split role with Tim Tebow, go to another team, and then play split roles on that team with Tim Tebow. It was bananas. But anyway, it's it's not new. It's it's something that's gone on for like the last five, six, seven years. Everyone's going bananas over quarterbacks. It's going to continue to happen because that's where they're spending all their money. Like, look at all the big deals that have come out. All the record-setting contracts have all been quarterbacks, and you build a team around a quarterback. So that's what teams are looking to do. They're trying to find their future. And you have teams who are up in the air, like Jimmy Garoppolo. Because he's injury-prone, what happens is he gets older. Is he going to get more injury-prone? Is he going to find a way to avoid injuries? He needs to figure out how to be a drop-back passer and a pocket passer, and he'll have a long career. He doesn't have the body to run outside and make big moves. He just doesn't. And I think we've seen that over the last few years. So you have the 49ers looking at a quarterback because you're like, well, what happens if he gets injured and knocked out of a season for the next two seasons? Like at one point you have to realize a bad investment and then make a change, right? You either need to change your game plan, protect him more and keep him in the pocket. Say, look, your role is no longer to extend plays because he got hurt running to the sideline to try and extend a play. He got hurt trying to like avoid, like it's just, there is a point where you need to look at a quarterback and say, hey, your mobility days are over. You're a pocket passer because you can throw the ball. You can throw it off, like, you know, unsettled platforms, your back foot, your front foot, leaning left, leaning right. You can make Mahomes-style throws. You just can't run downfield as well as Mahomes can. So let's cut the shit. Or we need to start investing in our future because we can't count on you being in for all 17 fucking games. Plus which three is, preseason games. Which is a great, games. great segue. Great segue. Yeah. The NFL announced today 17 regular season games. <laughs> three, preseason, three preseason games, not four. 
but 17 regular season games. So you get the one bye. We really, I mean, you should get two at this point. <laughs> Honestly, you should. Um, but instead, you get uh, you get 17 for, games. For those out there who are bad at math, that's five months of football. Five months. That's, that's too it. much. Absolutely love it. Too much. Um, I love the most of the fact that Seattle's got a, a week 17 date with the Pittsburgh Steelers at Heinz Field, and I'm going to Heinz Field to watch the game. I'm going to do it. Get your pick hat ready. Get my pick hat. Why? Russell Wilson. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. No, no. Actually, um, <laughs> Seattle's not lost there. They lost the Super Bowl, but they haven't lost in Heinz Field. So, yeah. Go fuck yourself. Anyways, uh, 17 how, weeks. How, 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 how old is Russell? Not, not as old as I am. Not, definitely not as old as you are. <laughs> Ooh, this, is, this is true. Uh, year over year, what does his interception average look like? Do we know Who that? Who cares? Stats don't matter. Well, I'm wondering. Well, we have to care now because you said they've never lost uh, in Pittsburgh. So now we got to wonder, like. In the Russell Wilson they era, make... they never lost in Pittsburgh. Or at home. Why would you put that out? Why Russ, would you put Russ that out played in the them interview? twice. He, Why would he you put that out in the 39, universe? 31, and then he beat them 24, 22. I'm going to write this down, and I'm going to put it in the show notes. What week is that? Week 17 of next year. I'm going. I'm there. Week 17. Uh, the 2021 season. Hold on. I'm thinking they still have Big Ben as their quarterback. Yep, they sure do. I just, I don't, I'm don't. i going to put out a stat that, that does matter, okay? okay I have yeah, gone yeah. to two Pittsburgh Steelers Seahawks games with Pittsburgh Steelers fans, and Seattle has won both of them. I am fucking batting a 1,000, and All I'm right. ready to let's go for a third time, baby. You want to put it up? You want to you put something on it? Like, week all 17 right. bet in the future? Hell yeah, I do. All right, so, so first of all, I'm already going to wear a Seattle Seahawks jersey on – you want to do open day preseason or the first podcast of the actual season? Because I'll wear it, we'll record it, and I'll post the video online. Doesn't really matter to me. I say game one. Game yeah. one, week one. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put a bet right now. I'm going to say the Steelers are going to win week 17. <laughs> but, but. Okay. I'm going to give you and I an out. It has to be a straight up team versus team. Like, if the Steelers have clinched the playoffs and they're taking a bye week, but playing because it's the playing, extended week. Yep. And the sa- I'll give you the same thing. If the Seahawks clinch a playoff early and they're playing, but not really playing, then it doesn't count. But if it's a straight up, it ben playoff versus Russ. matters. Yeah. Healthy Ben, healthy Russ, healthy team, healthy team. We'll put uh, what do you want on it? Oh, you want a four pack? You want a nice bottle of whiskey? Now that I'm I'm in, I'm in the whiskey game. Me, me and hard alcohol have not uh, gotten along for years, so a four pack bet's fine. Four pack bet is just fine. But I mean, we're older now, and I got to tell you, oh, high six quality, pack I don't give a shit. high quality whiskey versus what we drank when we were younger. <laughs> don't lest you forget, I told you I didn't drink many whiskeys because uh, I got cranky. Hasn't been the case now. Nah, well, well, I tell you what, we'll play it by ear. I'll do four pack slash dark drink. Call it dark drink. Okay? All right. Sounds it's good. It's on the record. It's going to go in the show notes. I mean, you're going to lose, so there. it doesn't really matter. But I mean, I'm, I, I literally, I literally bat a thousand with this, right? Like I ended up, and I, I know hope, that's, I that's hope. part of the, that's part of the reason I want to take this bet. 
Because oh, you're not. Because you think I'm going to fall, but I'm not. I'm going to keep it going because Mr. Unlimited is going to come to my aid because I'm going to be DMing I'll him give like you, a motherfucker. I'll give you one out. Game. Uh, we'll call it game week eight. Week eight. I'll let you reevaluate. You can double up or back up. <laughs> no, out. man. Russell Carrington Wilson is my quarterback. I'm not thinking about that. I'm in here week 17. Let's go right now. I'm ready to go. I'm going to write it down anyway, just in case, because what happens week one comes and Russell Wilson's not your quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I would be crying and not on this podcast anymore. Anyways. All right. Let's, 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 right. Have, let's wrap this up. It's been a fantastic episode of the Assassin Raider podcast. We hope all of you have enjoyed it and that you're uh, liking, sharing, subscribing with all your friends. Please send us those reviews. Tell us, hey, look, you really suck at this this part, or I really like this. Uh, or ask us all things we want to know, which is where do you get those beers, man? DM yeah. us. Let us know like how you're trying to get those beers. We want to review your beers. So if you're a brewery, reach out, man. Or woman. We'll buy them. We'll buy them. We're not yeah. asking you to send them to 100%. us for free. 100%. Let us know. We'll buy them. We'll buy them. We're not we're not looking for your uh your your hard works free labor. Let us know. Uh, also, <clears throat> I prefer and like some of these weird tangents we go on, but if you hate them, let us know. We'll come in all corporate and structured. So, all <laughs> let corporate. Us know. Hashtag all corporate. That's the next episode. Hashtag all corporate. Yeah. Uh, all right. Everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Sassamander Podcast. We're very excited to talk to you about sports every single week. And mm-hmm. we will talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.